Hey there, welcome to the Metro Minute, where if you're looking for the best practices in public schools, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Metro Minute podcast. My name is Mike Van Camp, Associate Executive Director at the Metro Bureau. Today's topic, core teaching practices. I am pleased to be joined by Dr. Anthony Tu Francis from Oakland University. Dr. Francis is in the secondary education program where he is the coordinator. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. This is my favorite topic. <laughs> so just to set a little context, core teaching practices. Uh, our hope is listeners will be walking away with some new knowledge of how new teachers are entering the profession, how they're prepared, and potentially how employers can use that knowledge to support new teachers as they begin. So, Dr. Francis, maybe give us some background on the work that you do at Oakland. Sure. Well, I so I graduated, um, I was a high school teacher for 10 years in Toledo Public Schools, and I taught at a, mostly at a place called Waite, high school in East Toledo, uh, Toledo, Ohio. And then, you know, after 10 years, I decided it was time to branch out. I wanted to educate teachers. So I quit my job. Um, I went full time uh, for seven years to get a doctorate. And then Oakland had an opening. And so I decided to write here. And, and interestingly enough, when, you know, um, when I applied, the dean at the time, o Oakland Secondary Program was not really led by anybody. It was just sort of existing because elementary is the big one there. So they basically said, come in. And, and I remember the dean distinctly, she said, fix our secondary program. So it was like a blank check to fix our secondary program. And so I then took over as coordinator in like 2014 and just started to completely update the program with, you know, the most up-to-date kind of methodologies and structures. And then after a couple of years, I came into contact with these core practices. I would say this was probably 16 or 17, probably 2015, 2016. And it completely changed the way that we were looking at teacher education. And that's what we're talking about today is like, how have we restructured around this this sort of model? So, I mean, that's a quick background. Well, that's great. And then we've been at it for six or seven years now. And, and I know you won't say this about yourself, but I'll just say to people listening that uh, Dr. Francis is known as one of the more, if not the most progressive uh, teacher ed leaders out there in our state. And, and if you could just talk to a little bit, this may come up later, but you're involved in things at the state level also, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So actually, we're going to talk more about this, particularly the Congress of Teacher Education. We'll talk about that. But no, I, I as a one recent example, I was just on the committee to rewrite the social studies standards. And basically, my claim to be on that committee and be one of the leaders on that committee, I was on the steering committee because I said, hey, I have a lot of experience with core teacher practices. And they're like, you're our guy because they want these not only, at, you know, these are in the standards now. These have, have really been embedded as part of the work in Michigan and it's required now. So this is a really interesting time to talk about this topic because it's not old and it has, it has basically taken hold so much so not only at the universities, but at the MDE. So yeah, I mean, it, hopefully that answers what you asked. No, that's great. And so we've used mm -hmm. this term core teaching practices maybe 10 times already. And we know teacher, mm -hmm. ed, teacher ed programs, they're, they're changing. They're not like they were. Could you start off, just provide some background? What, what are 
core teaching practices? What are we talking about? Sure. So, all right, this, this is really difficult um, to explain unless you're really embedded into <laughs> teacher education, but I'll try to try to say um, how I understood this and how I understand this now is, you know, first of all, we could call them a common core of states, you know, common core of teaching practices. And, and that's, I've heard it called that, but what does that mean? First of all, it has nothing to do with common core standards. Okay, so what what happened was we tried to determine, and when I say we, I was not in this initial conversation. This happened mainly out of the University of Michigan with teaching works. And what they did was they, you know, they got a bunch of teachers and principals and professors and all of these stakeholders and tried to determine what does every single teacher do in the classroom? And this is a really important word, do in the classroom. What is their practice, right? So this isn't just what do they need to know? You know, this is what do teachers do? And when I say every teacher, I mean, whether you're teaching four-year-olds or 40-year-olds, whether you're teaching modern language or mathematics or social studies, what is, what is the, like, if you think about a, a giant Venn diagram, what would be the actual, the absolute center of that? And so that's what, that's where it came from is this idea of like, can we determine what teaching is? Because up to this point, teaching is often looked at as idiosyncratic based on your personality and who you are, you be you. But actually, when you think about professional knowledge and the professional knowledge of like medical schools, we don't say we want doctors to all be themselves and be creative. Like that is not okay. But for some reason, and I kind of know why, we do that with teachers. We are so cavalier with teaching and trying to specify teaching because we're doing everything we can to not turn it into this sterile sort of techniques. That's not this. It is not a sterile techniques thing. As a matter of fact, I, I just heard of one school district who is teaching the core practices and they're using a book, the 21 best mm. things teachers can do. And if you look at those books, like, and I, I'm, I don't know if I can use the term, like teach like a champion, that has nothing to do with core teaching practices. They, as a matter of fact, they couldn't be more different. So I want to start off by saying this is not just techniques. Really, core teaching practices are a way to think about teaching, look at teaching, and see teaching. And what we needed, we, we've had a big problem because all of my time as a teacher educator since 2007, we've had a, there's been a divorce between the field classrooms, what mentor teachers do, and what we're teaching in our classrooms. Matter of fact, I remember I was a mentor teacher and I had a student teacher. And I remember the student teachers, he said to me and his little group of his friends, like his people said, hey, um, this is nothing like what we're learning at the university. And I remember saying Mm -hmm. to him at that time, don't listen to them. Don't listen to what they're telling you. They don't know what happens in the classroom. This is a big problem. Like if we cannot align with the field, then we're teaching two very different things. There's no sort of, um, there's no germination between these two and Genesis, you know, whatever you'd call that sort of synthesis between these two. And so we needed a language, a common language, a common frame that all parties could see this the same way. Okay. Could specify what these are. And so that's what these core teaching practices are. Can we just create a frame that teachers use, professors use, students use, we all use, because once you get people together like that, 
then improvement can begin. I mean, the, you know, the expertise, science on expertise says if you can't name it, see it, identify it, you can't improve it. So if we were keeping teaching just vague and unspecified, it's never going to get better. And I think, you know, as a, a student of history, I'm not a historian, let me be clear about that, but you can look at complaints about instruction from like 1903, 1940s, 1960s, and they are almost all the same, which tells me teaching has not improved substantively throughout the 20th century and into the 21st century. We're still suffering with the same problems that we had. And personally, I do think a lot of it was we didn't have the specification that allowed us all to speak about and improve the same parts. What? You, how's that? No, that makes sense. So common language, and we know like a common, common, lear- language. common learning language is critical. This probably creates mm-hmm. more uh, coherence, um, yes. not, not only within individual teacher ed programs, but throughout the state. So yes. our, our new grads are coming out with some common training. Right. And, it, it, and go ahead. And is it fair to say um, new grads, and, and correct me, like push back on this, so are they coming out with a degree of proficiency in, in implementing some of these right. core teaching practices? All right. So that's a, that is a tricky question. Yes, they should be. Right. However, you know, every time. So proficiency is a tricky word. So because, first of all, any sort of place where we say, well, you're proficient, you're not proficient. It's going to be that is hard to specify and it's hard to make consistent across raters. So that is difficult. Now, in an ideal world and where are we building toward? Yes. Every person that graduates from our programs should be able to do these things. And if they can't do these things, they got to stay on task until they can. I mean, that's where I would like Mm -hmm. to get with this. Like, for instance, if someone can't explain a complex idea crystal clear for a learner, I'm not sure they should be certified yet. Like, that's not something Mm -hmm. that's crazy and and unreasonable. (laughs) Or if, if a teacher doesn't know how to actually ask a kid a question that they want to respond to and give them opportunities to think and articulate their own opinion, they shouldn't be certified yet. And those are part of the core practices, right? right? So, and let me be clear about one thing. These are not just for beginners. Some people think these are just for beginners. I can tell you like just playing in this, I don't know what you call it, church, <laughs> and with these, these practices and with all these teachers, they've helped me become better. And I've taught for 25 years now. And the mentor teachers that I work with that are true teacher leaders, 20-year veterans, are saying, wow, I haven't thought about it like this. This is really helpful. So this is not just for beginners. As a matter of fact, one of the academic pieces we just put out, I, we titled in 2018, we titled it Not Just for Novices. This helps all of us get better and helps all of us have these common dialogues around our practice. Well, and, and you mentioned it earlier, when teaching works, the, these were not practices just picked out of the blue. They are, no. and, and I think they were called high leverage teaching practices yes. at the beginning because yes. right. they literally had the highest effect on learning. That's exactly what high leverage means. High leverage teaching, yep. it has leverage over student learning. So the state changed it to core teaching practices, and that's why we're using that language, because that's what the state has put inside their their legislation. Now, in literature, they are still generally called high-leverage teaching practices. 
But in the state of Michigan, they're called core teacher practices. But if you look at the list of core teacher practices compared to high leverage, it's the same list. So these are interchangeable terms. So in anything else, we've we've kind of hit on it, but anything else, then, and I may have multiple questions here. So teacher ed is changing, right? You're, you're, you're working on that at Oakland. Other teacher ed programs are working on that. Any examples you can give on how things are different today than maybe when I went through um, sure. 35 years ago? And what's different about the emphasis on these core teaching practices than prior years, like 10, 15, 20 sure. years ago? Well, you know, th- let me just preface this by saying this is not a, homo- a homogeneous population of people who all agree with me. Okay, you're asking one scholar yep. their opinion on these. So let's just be clear. Like, you ask 10 different scholars, you're going to get 10 different answers. You, ask, you know, so this is – but I'll give you what I think. So, you know, we've got this teacher education, and, and people don't like it when I say this, but I, I don't think it's unfair to say um, that – Teacher education has a bad reputation, and not just at Oakland. I'm saying nationwide, a lot of people think, and there's there's this urban myth, education classes are worthless. Student teaching is the only thing that's worth anything. And so I don't know if you've heard that, Mike, and I don't know if your listeners have heard that, but that is a, a sort of, you know, when I say that in a room full of high school teachers, three quarters of the room is nodding their head. And what that says to me is that's a common experience that people have had. Now, to be clear, I don't think they're worthless. I don't think education classes are worthless. But I think what we've – we have a curricular problem in teacher education, which is this. So we have structured much of our classes around the most cutting-edge research. Okay, so for instance, if we look at um, mathematics, we've structured our classes on – the most advanced methodologies of teaching mathematics, the most advanced advanced methodologies of teaching social studies. So I'm a social studies guy. I can tell you like much of what I did was how do we use primary documents? How do we create in- inquiry-based learning? Like this is stuff that expert teachers are struggling with. And we've built our training in our coursework around this problem, what expert teachers who have been in the field for 20 years. And so what we've done is try and take that most advanced theory and teach it to novices because we've got a broken system. What really should be happening is that most advanced methodologies we should be teaching to the expert teachers. Mm -hmm. And what we had to determine was what do novices need day one and that's it because if what we and what this is what if you ask me this is what we've done we've tried to teach these novices um really super expert stuff and then sent them out to the field to practice it and then they've tried it but the mentor teacher didn't know what they were doing and the intern didn't know what they were doing because it's a half-baked idea so they can't get coaching And then the mentors often say, don't do that again. And so what happens is we teach them all these most advanced things and they lie fallow in these interns who can't practice them and can't get coaching on them once they leave their methods class. And so none of it takes root. So this this sort of insidious um, reputation of teacher education 
in many cases, is based on the fact that we're teaching novices the wrong things. We're teaching them things that they don't know how to take up, can't get support on, and then it just dies. And so people say, I didn't learn how to teach in that class. I get it. So that's one of the big differences. We've got this bad reputation of teaching, oh, it's too theoretical. My ed classes were too theoretical. And you know what? I agree with that. So what we've tried to do now, and if you ask what's different, what we're trying to do now is teach what are the foundational pieces that help teachers from day one grow into this expert instruction? Like, what do they need today so that one year from now, they're on the pathway towards expert instruction instead of trying to teach them the expert instruction? And that's one of the biggest changes I see now is like what we're saying is let's determine what every single teacher needs day one and build a curriculum around that. We're not even going to, like, we may tell them there's so much more teaching social studies than this, but for now, I just want to make sure you can explain history, social studies ideas clearly. Make sure the learner sees relevance of that idea. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds, it sounds kind of ridiculous. Are you kidding me? Teachers can't do that? No, they can't. A lot of teachers were leaving their undergraduates and did all their coursework and graduated unable to do these basic core things. So that's, I think, the biggest difference. And the biggest benefit that we've seen is once we really bring this core teaching practices to the center, mentor teachers have looked at this and said, that's my job. Like, now I can buy into this. That's the work I do every day. And when we get that, that's the support we needed. Like, if the mentor teachers are not buying in and they're doing their own thing and we're doing our own thing, we do not have a learning model. We have, we have a model of a series of discrete experiences without an overall, overarching learning plan. Does, does that make sense? Oh, it makes total sense, and it gives your teacher ed students the ability or the opportunity to practice these skills before they get into the field and have to use Absolutely. them for real. Um, and get real coaching and get real coaching uh, yes. from their mentors on it. Yep. So I'm going to, so I can, you know, actually one thing I forgot to tell you in the, in the last question, which is really enlightened me. I've had two um, long time veteran teachers say the same thing at once they figured out what core teacher practices are. Now let me be clear. You'll have people read this. They're like, oh, yeah, I do that already. But they don't. They do what they think is that, right? They, mm -hmm. But as soon as people understand it, they're like, okay. I've had two mentor teachers say to me the same thing. Oh, my gosh. You're trying to take all the stuff I had to teach myself in the first 15 years and make a training out of it. And it's like, yes. Like, that's the stuff you should have learned in teacher ed. How do you do the day-to-day -day job of teaching? And we've made a training out of that. And that is giving them a, a stronger foundation from which to build. Thanks so much for learning with us on the Metro Minute. Be sure and join us for the next part of this episode for Core Teaching Practices. This cast is powered by K-12 Media, always keeping schools communicating with their communities. By the way, we'd love to see your comments or questions on this cast. Be sure to hit the like and subscribe button so you're always notified of our up-and-coming episodes. Don't forget to visit our website at metrobureau.org if you're looking for anything in public education in southeastern Michigan. We're so excited to see you next time for the Metro Minute.